you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message.
he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. So about four weeks ago, I began this series and we started by talking about some important places of ministry. And I began, I'm going to just review for a few moments tonight to pull you together uh, because this has been a few weeks and I want to bring our hearts and minds back together. And in the event you weren't here, uh, when I began this lesson, I just want to give you a little preview of the first lesson to bring us to the point where I left off at the end of the first lesson. In this text, I really see four, what I'm going to call four very important places of ministry. I am intentionally leaving one of these important places of ministry out because I feel that it is a little more inspirational uh, in its nature, and perhaps I will visit that uh, in a little different form and maybe talk on a Sunday about the desert place. There are four places pointed out here where Jesus went and the Bible said he entered into Capernaum and there he taught on the Sabbath day. And the scripture declares that he taught in the synagogue. Everybody say in the church. So the synagogue, of course, was the Jewish house of worship. It was the place of worship. It was the church. And he taught there on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. And then the scripture goes on to talk about what transpired there in the teaching in the synagogue. And verse 38 says that he arose out of the synagogue. So after teaching the Sabbath day in the synagogue, he then arose, went out of the synagogue, and where did he go? But he went to Simon's house. And this, of course, is where we're going to pick up tonight as we begin to talk about uh, the, the ministry of the home, the ministry of the house. And then after going to Simon's house and healing uh, Simon's mother-in-law, uh, doing the miracle there, the Bible said that he arose from there and went into a desert place. And I do believe this is the third uh, point that we could talk about tonight, but I'm going to skip over that desert place because I do plan to come back and talk to us about the ministry of the desert place, and I'm going to talk about that perhaps on a Sunday when we have all the folks here and even the unsaved folks that need to hear about the ministry of the desert place. And then, of course, after uh, the desert place, he told them that he needed to go into the city and uh, he needed to go to other uh, to to other cities also and so um, from here he talks about this is the very purpose for which he was sent that he was sent to go to into the next city and so therefore uh, if the Lord will help us tonight and we can reach the ending of this two-part series, uh, I will wrap up tonight by talking about the importance of the city. So we're going to begin tonight doing a little recap on the first lesson that I taught, and I want you to pick up a few things uh, about this. First of all, Acts chapter 1 verse number 8 tells us that we shall receive power when, after, that the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And so that power that we are to receive is not just power uh, to, to, to speak with tongues or power to jump and power to, to, uh, to, to brag about, but this power is for us to be witnesses. So the Holy Ghost uh, gives us a power to be, gives us the power 
or the authority to be a witness. So regardless of our personalities, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of our educational status, there is a testimony that comes with being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Spirit that gives us power and or authority to be able to witness. And so our testimony as saved people of God ought to be a testimony that witnesses of what God has done for us. So you don't have to be educated, talented, gifted, or anything else. You ought to be able to tell somebody, I remember where I was when God found me, filled me with the Holy Ghost, changed my life, turned me around. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a witness of what the Holy Ghost can do in your life. And so therefore, that testimony may be the most powerful tool that you and I are given through the infilling of His Spirit to declare what God did for me, He can do for others. And so that testimony, we must never forget, we must never lose, we must never walk away from it, but after the Holy Ghost comes, there is a power to be witnesses. And then, of course, the Scripture begins to lay out both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, in this scriptural, uh, in this scriptural step-by-step plan that is given to us here, uh, this is not the only place that we find the idea of the gospel was to be preached beginning at Jerusalem and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. And so it always begins in Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? It was the birthplace of Pentecost. It was the place of the upper room. It was the foundation. It was the home place. It was the beginning. And so the gospel was first to be preached, beginning at Jerusalem, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the world, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So we must understand the importance of our ministry and the witnessing and the gospel sharing must happen right where we are. Met a lot of people, been in church all of my life. My father was a pastor when I was born, raised in the church, been around people. And I've heard a lot of people say, as soon as I get out and, do, and, and go, go out to do ministry, as soon as I follow the call of God out of where I am, then I'm going to start being a witness. Then I'm going to start teaching Bible studies. Then I'm going to start winning souls. Then I'm going to start evangelizing. Then I'm going to. The truth is, is the Bible gives us a very clear example here that everything we do should begin right where we are. The very foundational point, it begins, everybody say at Jerusalem. It begins at Jerusalem. The importance of the synagogue here is, is so very clear because the church, of course, is what we are talking about tonight. The church, the synagogue, the beginning point of where we are. This is where our witness and our calling begins. A lot of people get caught up thinking, I need to go here, there, somewhere else, across the seas. People feel a calling of God to go on the mission field, to go wherever. All of those, I believe that. I believe God wants to use people abroad. I, I'm not here tonight to... to um, to be uh, a downer to all of those things and to tell you God's not speaking to you and God is not calling you. But I am here to tell you that that calling begins in the local church. Because chances are that whatever you do or don't do here is exactly what you're going to do when you get there. So it's so very important for us to understand our involvement in the local church, how we respond in the local church is exactly how we're going to end up there. Now, I'm going to use myself for an example, whether good or bad, but uh, given an opportunity uh, to preach in this pulpit or to go to another church, I may be able to go to another church and I may be able to uh, cause them to think 
differently of me than what you think of me because they don't know me, right? So they only know what they see and what they hear on the surface. So if I can speak eloquently and I can dress nicely and I can smile appropriately and do all of those things, they may have an image of only what I allow them to see in my life. And so therefore, I go there and may be treated differently because they only see the facade that I allow them to see. But eventually, after I'm there long enough, they're going to begin to see my faults. And they're going to begin to see my weaknesses. And then I, my voice will, will not be so special. It's kind of like this. I told my wife one time, I said, I remember uh, when we first got married. Anybody remember back that far? I remember when we first got married, I would come in from work, and uh, she would have she would have uh, my my bath caught for me, and uh, my clothes laid out, and uh, and I would go while I'm getting a shower. She would have food set on the table, and uh, I would come back come back in. Well, after a while, after a while, that kind of went away, and so. Uh, I'd come in from work and, uh, you know, take care of everything I needed on my own, get my own clothes and, and take care of uh, getting all, getting my towel out and getting everything ready. I'd just have to take care of myself. And so one day around the house, I thought, well, this would be a good time to engage. That's that foolish day. Foolish day. It was a moment of weakness. And I said, you know, babe, I remember when I used to uh, come home from work and uh, you did all of these nice things and made me feel so special. And, uh, and you know, I, I would come in and you would have hand lotion and I'd just hold out my hand and you would just put hand lotion in my hand and, and rub my hands and, and all these special things that you used to do. And uh, you don't do any of those things anymore. And she said, you see, um, what we need to talk about is that back then you went away. And you worked and sometimes you were gone for two or three or four days at a time working out of town. And then you would come back home. But now... You're always home. And you can take care of yourself. Now they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. I, I'm sure that that's true. I, I don't know. This, this isn't about me, but what I am trying to tell you is that there are a lot of people that love the attention that comes with the in, in the fantasy world of elsewhere. It's the fantasy world of elsewhere. If I moved elsewhere, if my ministry was elsewhere, if I could be involved in that ministry, then it would be fulfilling, or that ministry. Here is what I am trying to bring to you. What we do now, where we are with what we have, will dictate what we're going to do when God takes us to the next place to the next level, to the next ministry. Somebody says, oh, you're not talking to me because I'm not looking to do anything more than what I'm doing. Shame on you. Every one of us ought to be seeking to move forward in God. We ought to want to be a greater witness. We ought to want to be a greater leader, not just in our home, but we ought to be. I'm not just talking about trying to climb the ladder, and I'm not talking about wanting to leave and go to another church or go to another city, but we all ought to be desiring to do more for God tomorrow than what we did today. And so in order to do that, we must present ourselves in our very best way here. This is why faithfulness to the house of God is a prerequisite to any form of ministry. Our willingness to conform, not, not to conform to the image of my liking, but to conform to the image of God and conform to the image of His Word. This is why our teaching of holiness and separation 
and all of these teachings that are biblical and scriptural as we follow these plans. It isn't about pleasing man. It is about pleasing God. And it is a prerequisite before we can move on to the next level. So we begin with the milk of the word, as the scripture said. But then we've got to move on. We can't remain babes in Christ. We must move from milk to meat. Somebody ought to say amen to that. And so as we move from from milk to meat, there must be a transition. Now let me be strong with you tonight and talk to you. I love you. Don't have don't have uh, anything to anything to, to to dig with anyone tonight. But I am going to tell you, as your pastor and as the pastor of this church, the teaching and preaching of this pulpit must not be fettered because of fear of someone becoming offended because they wanted milk, but I taught meat. So as we grow, as we develop, we need to be able to take the meat of the Word of God wherein comes the strength that we need to become what God is wanting us to become. So we must not always just be just be uh, 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 babied and, and prodded and, and taken care of. We, we can't always just show up to church with our hand out expecting my wife to come put lotion on our hand. We must not always be doing that. There's a time we've got to show up and say, you know what, I didn't feel like showing up, but I showed up anyway. Now, I already said something I don't want to say too much, and I know she's not feeling well tonight, but I'm going to just give props to Sister Mary for being here tonight, first of all. Just for being here. My Lord, that speaks to me. Brother Stan said, she's, she's tough. She's tough. My wife went through that very thing. I don't think she would have wanted to have been in church that night, but she's here tonight. But And, 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 and I'm not here to cast stones, but I'm going to tell you something that the Lord uh, can very clearly see. I can see. The Lord doesn't have to reveal to me that she is desiring for God to do a special work in her life. She showed up here just in case God wanted to do something tonight. So she went above and beyond what would have been expected by any of us to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm not talking about coming when you're sick. I'm not dealing with that tonight. But I'm trying to tell you that we, our faithfulness to the house of God is a prerequisite to any type of ministry or anything we're going to do anywhere. And then our faithfulness to whatever we've been given to do. If the scripture gives us this example and said if we offer a cup of water in his name, we need to do it with all of our heart. Another passage talks about being a being a doorman, being, being holding the door, working a door, and it talks about just being a, a greeter. All right, can I put it in those terms? I know that's not the term the Bible uses, but it talks about just being a doorman, just opening the door, being an usher, being a greeter. If I can be that in the house of the Lord and never be anything more than that, but I can be in the presence of God, that's all I need. See, some folks, they need they need the fame, the fortune, the lights, and the microphone. That's not what God is looking for with us. Be faithful over the few, and he will make us leader over many. This is the principle of Scripture. And so in the ministry of the synagogue, it begins with faithfulness and being in alignment with the house of God. We must not always be out of alignment, out of sync, always wanting things my way and the way that I think it ought to be. If I can't be in charge, then I don't participate, take my toys and go home. That spirit is unusable in the house of God. The kingdom of God is not built around me. This is his place. This is his house. This is his kingdom, not mine. And so whether I am the person that has been chosen to teach, to preach, and to lead, or whether I am in a position to where it is my turn to follow, I must do it all with great with grace. I must do it all 
with, with joy and allow God to grow and develop me to the next level that he's calling me to do. So it is so very important that we uphold our responsibilities in the local assembly. So I don't want to spend too much more time here before we move on, but um, let me let me just say that no good church and no growing saint will ever be satisfied being what she is or he is. Every child of God ought to be desiring a closer walk with the Lord, a higher plateau with the Lord, a deeper walk with God. I've been serving God for most of my life. Received the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was seven years old. That's a while. And I can tell you that in almost 50 years of living for God and serving God, being in and out of church services, literally thousands and thousands of church services through my life, messages that I have heard preached, there has never been a time in my life that I desire to grow more than right now. My desire must always be to be more, to grow in God. So we should never become satisfied and say, I've done enough, I am enough, I've been enough. And so the world urgently needs our very best attributes. And so what God has called us and gifted us with, we need to put to use in the kingdom of God. So whatever it is, if God's gifted you with the ability to teach, if he's gifted you with the ability to sing, whatever he's gifted you with, that is where we should desire to be used. The scripture said to seek the best gift, to seek the best gift. Now, sometimes we need help with that because I, I've met a lot of people that say, I, I want this is what I want to do. It is not about what we want to do. It is about what our God calling may be. What is our greatest gift? What is he gifting us with? Somebody may be more gifted to, 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 to make dinner. Somebody may be more gifted to meet people. Somebody may be more gifted to speak or more gifted to... Where is your greatest gift? Seek that gift and grow in that gift. Because God then will take our best gifts and he uses us together. See, this is why that it, it's not about what we want to do, but God, understand this, God fits us and positions us in the church. Can I help somebody tonight? We are not an island unto ourselves. When God saves us, he saves us for the purpose of bringing us together as a body. Can the hand say to the, to the mouth that I don't have need of thee? Can the ear say to the, to, to the eye that I don't need you? Of course not. An eye is not made to hear and an ear is not made to see. So we must be careful to not become critical at one another because our strength is seeing and their strength is hearing. Am I in the word of God tonight? So we must be careful to not become critical of one another, but to exalt and lift one another up and say, wow, you hear really well and somebody else sees really well. One's a hand. So wherever God has gifted us and, and, and positioned us, work in that field and understand that God has placed us in the church and he's placed us in the church for, the, for a reason to use us within our greatest gifts. And so those gifts must be in alignment with the overall positioning and design of the local assembly. 
So if the ear decides, I don't want to hear anymore, I want to be an owl, what trouble we're going to have. And we've been at this for a while, and I'm going to speak candidly tonight. This isn't my first rodeo. I've been through it a few times, and I always really, one of the parts of pastoring that I don't like is when somebody who may be an ear wants to be an eye. Or somebody who is an eye wants to be an ear. And they come and they begin to say, well, look, this is what I think. I think I ought to be, I had somebody come years and years ago. It's when I first became pastor. They've been gone from this church a very long time. I saw them leaving when I came. And it's unfortunate. I wish God would save them. They've been out of the church for many years. I'll never forget being in Delphi Avenue. I had just become pastor, only just a few weeks of being pastor. And they came and cornered me over on the front side of the church near the baptistry. For those of you that know the Delphi Avenue building, know exactly where I'm talking about it. I'm standing by the old baptistry when it was cut out in the, in the, in the window there before it was out on the platform. And I'm standing over there, and they came... Now understand, this person didn't know music, didn't know how to sing, didn't know how to play music. Had maybe maybe could carry a tune. I don't know how well they could even do that. But they came to me, and here were the words that they said to me: "I feel like that God wants me." Now here's the trump card, right? Because as the pastor, what can I say if God's already said it? I always hate that trump card because I believe that if God's talking to them, he's probably talking to a lot of people. And I think that he's going to talk to me at the same time he's talking to you. And so when people come and say, well, I feel like God wants me to do so and so and I haven't heard from God about it and don't see God doing that, it kind of sets me back just a little bit. And here's how I feel. I just got the God card played. Somebody wanted to do it, and they blamed God for their own desires. And so this gentleman came to me, and he was somewhat kind, but very pushy. And he came to me, and he said, I feel like I need to be the choir director. And I said, really? He said, I feel like God told me I need to be the choir director. I said, really? Where did that come from? From God. Do you do you know music? Well, when I was in a denominational church, I sang in that choir for that denominational church. And so I said, and so that qualifies you to lead our choir. He said, well, I certainly think it does. As a pastor, imagine the pressure that he feels at that moment. First off, God has spoken to him, not to me, not to anybody else, but to him. And God has told him that he needed to do something that he was not qualified to do. Now, either my choice is, is to tell him, you're not qualified for that. And so I began to talk about Sister Cheryl's training and professional training and years of music training and her knowledge and, and years of experience. And I began to walk through some of those things. And I said, you know, she didn't just wake up one day and decide that I'm going to play a piano. She didn't just wake up one day and decide I'm going to lead music. She spent the majority of her life in training and in rehearsals and and hours and hours and hours in learning and understanding to get to the point that she, she is. She didn't walk in one day and just decide, uh, hey, I, I don't want to cook anymore. Instead, I think I want to just do music. Now, I could try that. I actually tried to learn the, the keyboard one time, and uh, I spent, uh, spent a few le- had a few lessons, and uh, 
I, I think I might be able to go over there and find me a seat. But that doesn't qualify me for the job and the task that this lady has laid upon her shoulder. And so God, let, let, me, let me stay on point here. God will choose whomever he wants and use whomever he wants. It is true. But Facebook makes some of the, these memes that, that get things way out of sort. They say the, 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 the memes people love to share that says God doesn't always choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen or something along that line. And in part, I may can agree with that. I have no biblical uh, basis for this understanding. I don't believe we have to be educated for God to anoint us and use us. I don't believe we have to be the most gifted to be anointed. I believe God can anoint the very least of us. I believe God can use. But I also know that when it comes to now we're talking about music here, right? And so I began to lay out to this gentleman, trying to be as kind as possible, that the Bible says to sing in the Spirit. But the same scripture that says sing in the Spirit also says, and sing with understanding also. I don't know about you, but I thank God that this, this group tonight sang in the Spirit and sang with understanding. I thank God for that. I like good music that is on key. And so I thank God for that. And so sometimes, let me get back on point here, sometimes people who are not gifted in an area, not qualified in an area, decide this is where I need to be and this is where I want to be. And if I can't be there, then I can't be anywhere. Instead of us understanding that God has fit us together and placed us together to be used in the kingdom in the place where he wants to use us. And so the ministry of the local church is so very important. Let me move quickly. I want to talk about what Jesus did when he left the synagogue. He went to Simon's house. There in Simon's house, do you see what happened in Simon's house? He went and he healed Peter's mother-in-law who was at the point of death. He was at the point, she was at the point of death. Jesus does a miracle, not in the synagogue, but at the house. I want to talk just a few minutes here about the ministry of the home. Because before before we are ready to go across the seas and, and, and go, go spread our, our ministry anywhere, there is a responsibility to the home. For the ministry, the Bible talks clearly about the bishop and it, it, it talks clearly about the elders of the church and it gives us some pretty clear specifics about the elders and the ministry and how that the ministry and how the elders and how the deacons, the Bible talks about, how they are to conduct themselves and how their home life should be. There is a ministry that is very important and it is the ministry of the home. The Bible says, the Bible gives us very clear understanding that there is an apostolic, I believe an apostolic covering that, that begins with God and that covering comes down. And this is why it is so very important for the man to take the responsibility as head of the house to take spiritual oversight of his home. I wish I'd get a stronger amen than that. The man should be take spiritual oversight of the home. Now, some of you good ladies that are here that don't have husbands that live for the Lord, you have to fill a role that God really never intended for you to have to fill, but you do it. And I commend you for being the spiritual leader of your home. 
your husband is not serving God, if you don't have a, 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 a father role in your home, thank God for women that can stand strong and carry a load that God really didn't build you to carry. But he does give you grace to carry. And so there is a spiritual authority that flows down. And that flow down, our children ought to not be in control of the home. The Bible teaches us that the man is to be the head of the house and that the woman is to be subject to the man. And then it goes on to tell us that the children ought to be subject to the parents. And so we need to be careful to understand that the ministry of the home is an important ministry. But I don't want to belabor all the point. You already shut down on me tonight. I don't want to belabor the point of the importance of the ministry of the home. But I also want to talk about house-to-house ministry because this is really what I want to spend my time on tonight because after he left the synagogue, he went into Simon's home and did a miracle in Simon's home. I believe that the next wave of revival that is coming through the church will be connected to the home. If COVID taught us nothing else, it taught us that we may not always be able to assemble together and there may be some times when we have to learn to get together in the homes. This is why home fellowship is so very important. This is why our small group is so very important. Not just to go eat together, not just to go play games together. That's all good. Recreation and fun is good. But let's get back to the book of Acts. They didn't have church buildings, but they gathered house to house. And they were house to house in prayer and in breaking of bread. And so there was teaching there, and there was, there was fellowship there, and there was food there. So all of these things, and, and in that breaking of bread, we could get deeper into it, which is talking about covenant being built in home ministries. And so these are so very important. As we, about three years ago, began taking our first step towards small groups, ultimately moving in a direction that we see in the future where we need to develop home groups because we don't ever know what the government is going to do. We don't ever know what, what opposition is going to come against us or what may come, and we learned all of this through COVID. But I am going to tell you it is biblical for there to be a ministry that is house to house. And when there are those who are sick, and unable to come to the house of the Lord, there can be a miracle just like Peter's mother-in-law. There can be miracles that happen not just in these altars, but miracles that happen in the home. In the home. I've been reminded lately, Sunday night, all this great group from IBC, my wife prepared a meal and had them over and... We hosted there. We had about 30 people in our home after the service, so there was hardly room to move. And, uh, of course, Dr. Anderson was there and one of the finest and greatest pianists that I have ever known. And uh, he wanted to play my wife's piano, and he sat down, and we videoed and was able to take some pictures there. And the young man that played here, both of the young men that played Ox Keys and Kings here, sat down, played on the piano. Dylan played on the piano. And as they were doing so, I said something to somebody because there was a moment that while they were playing, I just sensed the presence of the Lord. And here we are all in there just in fellowship, but I felt the presence of the Lord move in. And I turned to somebody next to me and I said, they may not know what happens in this house, but when that piano starts playing and the presence of the Lord starts moving, we're liable just to break into prayer here any moment. Because in our home, prayer is present. The ministry of our home is so very important, and we ought to be apt to pray. If we're not having prayer meeting here, it's all right to call up a neighbor and say, hey, I want to stop by sometime, or do you want to come over for coffee and prayer? Nothing wrong with it. We need to understand the ministry. When there is a brother or sister discouraged, call them up. Invite them over. Get together with them. Pray with them. Let ministry happen in the home.
It doesn't have to be organized through our small groups. We're trying to organize and get better at it and do better with it. We're growing it. It's a, it's a, it's a work in progress. It'll take years for the culture to, to completely engage. We understand. We knew that going in. But we can help that by just understanding the importance of the ministry that can happen in the home. It is not just a sidebar ministry. It was an important enough of ministry that I believe it is the ministry of the home is one of the most important places of ministry. Bible study groups with spouses and kids and households ought to be able to happen in the home. Ministries in homes are needed for our future growth. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a Bible study teacher. You can just simply be a friend. You can just simply sit down with somebody. You don't have to be a singer. You don't have to be able to be on the front row. You don't have to love crowds. You can just get together with one or two in the home and just pray. Just talk about the goodness of the Lord. Just encourage one another with a word of testimony. Just being with a member in need. The ministry of presence in the home sometimes is all somebody needs. Everything, I believe, begins in the home. Before, before my ministry is brought into this pulpit, my ministry must be faithful in the home. Our ministry really begins in the home. I'm almost out of time. I'm only going to take about five more minutes, and I'll let you out of here. Some of you are, are sinking in, in your seats about and then it is the ministry of the city or the next town. Obviously, I skipped over the desert folk. The ministry, the important place of ministry of the city. When it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, but the people sought him and came to him and stayed that he should not depart from them. But he said, I must preach the kingdom of God in other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Watch, watch, sent. Everybody say sent. The rest of you say sent. All right, so he is saying, I am sent. We have to be careful about just wanting to do something. There's a difference in just wanting to do something and being sent. Being sent by God is a whole different scenario than somebody just up and deciding, hey, I think I want to try this. I've had people tell me before regarding places of ministry, I think I'll just give that a try and see if it works out. We better make sure that we are sent. But we must be sent, and I believe that there are commissions, and we're going to be doing some of that commissioning this year as we are sent. This is an area of ministry I believe that over the next few months are going to begin swinging open. Right in January, we're going to begin some planning for Impact 24, and we're already working on trying to develop some of the ideas for teams for our marquee evangelism event for the year of 2024, and we, we already have the location at uh, downtown at the new park. What's the name of the park there? Uh, Prairie Creek Park. We already have Prairie Creek Park reserved. We already have the dates reserved. We're already moving toward it. We're going to begin teams coming together, and we're going to be planning the planning process. We're going to see things, I believe, that we've never seen before. By the time we get there, understand this, by the time we get there, it's going to be uh, somebody calculated from the last time that we did this. I believe it's 14 or 15 years since the last time that we did something like this. So it's going to be a brand new crop. COVID has come and passed, and it's, so it's a whole new dynamic. It's going to feel different than the last time. It's going to look different than the last time. But it keeps coming and it keeps being said and keeps being prophesied over me and over my wife and over others and over this church. Somebody the other night spoke a word to my wife. I didn't have any idea. I am in North Dakota. The kids were already in bed, and I was I was laying there texting my wife and talking with her back and forth.
forth over the internet and she said, I feel in the Holy Ghost what somebody said and I'm going to speak it to you because it's also for you. But God is going to do a quick work. And that quick work, I believe, is going to happen in our city. The influence of this church has been idling along here. But there's been about three ministers that have come through and prophesied and spoke and said, God has placed this church as a city on a hill. But we are about to be elevated to a new dimension. That's all going to happen in the city and in this region. I believe, I spoke with some, someone a few days ago about developing multiple outlets of ministry. This is going to take creativity. It's going to take energy. It's going to take effort. We already have so many focuses, but this is going to be our great evangelism focus for this year, and we will reap a harvest. This is what I'm praying for. I'm praying that God makes 24 our greatest year of harvest, of, of souls being filled. We are more equipped to teach and to disciple. We have Bible study teachers ready. We have Path of Life ready. We have every ministry is ready. I believe we're about to see a growth. And God has prepared this church in a way that he has, we have not been prepared in a very, very long time. One of our, one of our good guests came up the other night, I'm trying to recall, who walked up to me the other night and said, I have walked into this building as an outsider, but this church has welcomed me and has caused me to feel welcome like no place that I have ever been. God has prepared this church for such a time as this. I believe it with all of my heart. We've got to take ministry outside of the building. Everything in the future we is going to take on a whole new twist. We must utilize opportunities that are afforded to us to take the ministry out of the four walls of the church. We have good church here, but the world needs to see us not as some oddball, weirdo, wacko church that sets up here an event. We need to take it to them and let them see and feel and experience there what happens here. And we have to be prepared to minister to families. We're going to give a call in a few weeks. We're going to be talking to you about doing uh, about uh, altar worker ministry. And we're going to be training people to become more efficient and more effective in altar working. We're going to be reaching out, giving opportunities. Please, 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 I'm talking to the same church on a Wednesday night. Please don't be standoffish. Please don't wait for somebody to come beg you and, 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 and try to, oh, please come, please, please don't do that. I'm going to do the begging tonight. Please understand that this is a call to ministry, that God is going to take us from where we are to where he wants us to go. And some of our elders that may feel like there's nothing for me to do, we need altar workers. We need people that can connect with people and show them. The Bible said let the elders teach the younger, particularly the women it talks about. Let the elder teach the younger. That doesn't mean you're old and that does not even talking about age, but that is dealing with spiritual maturity. Let the elder teach the younger. So ministry can't be confined within the four walls of this church. We've got a lot of work to do, but I feel we have a mandate from God. We're going to begin the planning processes in January to take ministry to the street. This isn't, uh, the, the Townsends came a few weeks ago and uh, a few months ago now and presented brownies and Jesus. By the way, they're there tonight uh, at the school as there, uh, as Noah, I believe it is, is being inducted into the National Honor Society. And that's noteworthy and we ought to honor him for that. They're not here tonight, but they are there. And, and they let me know, but they came and talked about brownies and Jesus. How many of you were here the night they talked about brownies and Jesus? A simple thing, maybe I need to do it on a Sunday and have them do it all over again so the whole church can hear just a simple little thing. This isn't some hypothetical uh, 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 grow the church fast scheme. This is a real week-to-week, month-to-month thing that they are doing in their home, increasing their influence and ministering to their neighborhood. 
know what it is, ask him about it. Here's what I'm, I'm closing with this. City festivals should become an ongoing thing. We've got to take it to the street. We need ministry presence at every event in our city. Hot dog festival, we ought to have a ministry presence. We're, we're already getting there. We're starting to do it. We're, we're establishing these things. We need to be prepared to minister right on the street, right where we are. Three times in the last few months, I have walked into Walmart and someone has flagged me down or chased me down to tell me what's going on in their life and asked me for prayer. Three times, I have stopped right where I was and began to pray with somebody right in the aisle. Nope, I'm not screaming. Nope, I'm not shouting and hooping and yelling and carrying on, but I've stopped right where I am and laid hands on them and prayed for them right where they are and the Holy Ghost moved right where they were. And the last time I prayed for somebody, I walked in the door, I saw somebody, I saw them waving for me, I walked over to where they were and they said, they said, Brother Jordan, I need you to pray for me, a backslider. And they started pouring their heart out. I laid hands on them and began to pray for them right there in the aisle. When I finished praying and looked up, there was a lady standing about 10 feet from me. And she was standing there with her hands together watching. And she didn't know what to think. And as we finished praying and I turned to walk off, she looked at me and she said, Thank you. The world needs that. And you know what? This pastor needed that. Because I needed somebody that may not have what we have recognize that we need to be ready to take ministry to the street. Ministry is not our jobs. It's not work. It's not occupation. It's a calling and God is calling us to ministry. Everybody in this room, when he filled you with the Holy Ghost, he gave you the power to be a We've got to take what we have been given and we've got to give it to others. We've got to share it with others. If you could stand with me tonight, please do so. I'm closing. If we never take ministry outside of our sanctuary, if we never take it outside of its place of origin, it will die here. If the church would have remained in Jerusalem, the gospel would have never reached the entire world but it had to go outside of Jerusalem. It had to leave its place of origin, and it had to travel. I know the hour's late tonight, but I just want to give you just a moment. You can pray right where you are. You can walk to the front of this room if you choose. But some of us tonight before we leave here need to just commit to the Lord. God, I want my... I want to be faithful to the house of the Lord. I want my home to be a place where you reside. I want to be apt to be part of home ministry. And God, I want to take what you have given me and take it to the streets that the world may know. It's his plan. It's the way he's ordained it. If that's you, if he's calling you, if he's speaking to you, why don't you just pray right where you are, walk to the front of this room and commit to him. God, I want to be in the center of your will. Just a few moments of prayer here. Turn this house into, the, into a prayer room here tonight. Hallelujah.
in this room tonight. Lord, every person that has heard your call, that has felt your tug, Lord, I pray that we fulfill your will and